Well, good morning, everybody. How many of you are confused? Yes, it's okay. Uh, so let me see if I can respond to all the comments I've gotten this morning. No, I'm not preaching this morning. Um, <clears throat> no, I'm not officiating a wedding. No, I'm not going to a funeral. Uh, let's see, what were the others? Uh, there's some that I would hesitate to repeat out loud, actually. Um, no, no magazine photo shoots. No, nothing like that. Uh, I have a presentation at work on Tuesday morning to my CEO and all of his direct reports. Uh, I needed a suit that fit, because the one that I bought uh, a few years ago <clears throat> doesn't fit anymore. And uh, my wife, my absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for that wonderful save. I appreciate that. And uh, so this is the dry run today to see if it works, and so far so good, but we'll see. So, uh, But we are in Galatians chapter 5 uh, this morning. Verses 7 through 15. We'll start as we do each week by looking at last week's text. I wish there was more of a bang to the story, but it's just kind of low key, you know, right? I should have made something up that was really spectacular, right? (laughs) So we'll look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You've become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Um, one of the things that I like about Paul's writings as we, as we start to look at uh, verses 7 through 15 is that when Paul explains some theological topic, many times he will actually be utilizing that topic while he's explaining it. So today's text, he talks quite a bit about uh, speaking, the, not necessarily talking about it, but it's a great example of speaking the truth in love, uh, doing it in a way that we're not going to push people away, but we're going to be uh, welcoming and encouraging to people. So let's look at uh, how love fulfills the law, starting in verse 7. He says, you ran well. Does anybody have a different translation in your Bibles than you ran well? Wow, that was a whole lot. You were? You were running a good race. Yes, very good. Anybody else? You were running superbly. That's pretty good, actually. Anybody else? Nothing? It says beautifully or honorably. So right off this in this passage, he starts off with a lot of encouragement. Uh, who hindered you from obeying the truth? The word for hindered, uh, if you're keeping notes on your blanks there, it says beat you back or, or cut in on. Who cut in on you? And, and all of us have had uh, experiences traveling down the highway or road somewhere and somebody cuts in on you, right? And it slows you down and it backs you off the pace that you wanted to go. Um, the, this word also can mean to break up the road, to physically break up the road. And if you think about um, <clears throat> battles and war, if you are wanting to take a city, okay, if you're an opposing army and you want to take a city, one of the ways to do that is to lay siege to it, right? So encamp around it and make sure nothing comes in or comes out. And one of the ways to destroy a city or to humble a city after you've beaten them is to destroy the infrastructure on your way out. And one of the things that ancient armies used to do, and sometimes still do today, is tear up the infrastructure. They will bomb the roads to make sure that transports cannot get in and out. Doug, do we still do this today? 
Absolutely. Why? Because you, you can't restock if you can't get it there. It's a supply line. It's all about the supply line. So he's saying, who cut you off from this thing that you were doing well in the past? You were running well. So let's, let's rewind just a little bit. So Paul's writing to the Galatians. And he's writing this letter because the Judaizers, those that want to keep the law, have infiltrated this, this series of churches and are teaching them that you have to be keeping the law in order to be saved. So Paul's saying, when I started, when I, when I came around the first time and, and preached to you the gospel of Jesus Christ and these churches began, we were not about keeping the law. So who has come in and has slid this doctrine in uh, that is cut in on you? So who's hindered you from obeying or be convic- being convicted by or persuaded by the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. So who's the him who called you? Jesus, right? It's the H is capital. It's very easy to understand. The him who called. This is not, this, this, uh, this persuading that has happened is not from Jesus. A little, or a micros is the Greek word, leaven. Leaven's the whole lump. And there's a lot to be talked about in this verse. Uh, a little leaven. So those of you that, that are familiar with um, baking and are familiar with breads and dough, and somebody, somebody tell me what's going on with leaven. Somebody help me out here. It puffs it up. It puffs what up? Puffs up the flour. So leaven puffs up the flour. It's by magic, right? You just put it in. It's just magically. It's scientific. Darla's like, no, no, no. It's not magic. It's not magic. It's not. Um, <clears throat> so does anybody know exactly what happens scientifically? What's going on? Fermentation is the word, right? So I looked it up because I don't bake. Um, it, what'd she say? And neither does his wife. No, you do. You do. It's the reason the suit didn't fit. <laughs> um, uh, Wikipedia says fermentation or, or leaven is used in doughs and batters that causes a foaming action which lightens and softens the finished product. The leavening agent incorporates gas bubbles into the dough. And it's kind of a more expanded version of what Darla said. It puffs it up, right? It just makes it get bigger. Um, now, I, I want to think about... Whenever we see words in the New Testament, the, especially when Paul is writing, he's so incredibly familiar with the Old Testament. He links many things back to an Old Testament concept, right? And leaven is all throughout the Old Testament, a lot of different references there. When to eat it, when not to eat it, when you should put it away, when you should clean for it, I mean, all different types of things. It, it makes me think about, it's when something is puffed up, uh, pride. It makes me think about uh, things of little weight, things that don't have a lot of substance. If it's filled with bubbles, if it's filled with air, this is not something that is highly dense, right? The, the Old Testament concept of vanity uh, is one of, it has no weight, it has no substance. It's very, very light. It's light on whatever we're talking about. The New Testament concept of truth is a heaviness. It is a seriousness. It is a weightiness. There is some substance to it. So when we take, when we take dough, you guys are in awe, right? Mm-hmm. You came this morning just to see this, didn't you? I got my camera phone ready. You got his camera phone ready. Okay, I'll be taking pictures afterward. Actually. So, so when we have something that starts off as rather dense, right? What, what's it called before you put the leaven in it? Just flour. Is that all it is? Dough. Okay. So when you have dough, and dough is rather dense, right? I mean, it's it's it's. There's a reason we use the word kneading. It's, it's hard to push through. It's difficult. It's thick. And the leaven puffs it up and makes it lighter. It makes it bigger. It makes it much tastier, I think. Um, you, know, you just want to get a mouthful of dough. I mean, ugh, that'd be just awful, right? 
Um, so it's this idea of you're adding to and you're creating something that just creates space, right? So think about this theologically. The gospel is the dough. Leave it alone. It is heavy. It is dense. You work through it. It doesn't need to be puffed up and pushed out and added space to it. That doesn't help it. Don't add things to the gospel. Does this make sense? So this is, when I see the word leaven in the New Testament, that's what I'm thinking about when Paul's writing. So a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, who in the New Testament talked about this? Obviously Paul, right? That'd be the easy answer. Who else? Anybody remember? Jesus, yes, he did. He talked about it in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke uh, relative to the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that that when this doctrine creeps in, this keep the law doctrine, it spreads and it spreads and it spreads and it spreads. Um, Leaven, here's your next blank, persuades the dough to move. If we're thinking about this in the context of persuasion, we're thinking about this in the context of we have conversations with people and they impact our lives. We read things. They make us think through things. And sometimes we are persuaded to behave or believe differently based on what we hear. We all understand this. So, uh, Wearsby has a great quote on this. He says, Every Christian has the responsibility to watch for the beginnings of legalism, that first bit of yeast that infects the fellowship and eventually grows into a serious problem. Um, And and honestly, I could stand up here and tell you story after story after story after story of family who has come to Stewart Heights and passed through chasing some little bit of leaven um, that, that has just... We, we come, and, and, and guys, the reality is the same gospel that Gary and uh, Daryl preached 13 years ago when I came, that's the same gospel they're preaching today. And that's one of the things I love about this place is that those core beliefs, we're not altering those. You know? And if you don't believe it, there's like a billion other churches in Hamilton County. Um, and that's the reality. But when we get enamored with some little piece of doctrine that we want to add to, and here's your $10 word for the day, soteriology. Um, I can spell it for you too if you need. It's a study of salvation and all things uh, salvation. Uh, when we want to alter the doctrine of soteriology, there's problems from that, right? We get puffed up. We get to feeling like I know more about this than you do. You see where this, how this all relates back to the leaven is this, yeah, I feel... I feel a lot better. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and that's not the case at all. You know, the, the reality of salvation is I am small and Jesus is big. That's the reality of salvation because of what he has done, not because of anything that I have brought, either through my actions or my knowledge to the relationship. It doesn't work that way. <clears throat> so verse 10, I have some trust. I'm sorry, I have confidence in you. So again, with the encouragement, right? I have some confidence in you, but only in the Lord. Um, so, so I need a couple of volunteers to help real quick. Um, Dave, you want to come on up? Somebody with little bitty hands. Who's got little bitty hands? Anybody? Not Abby, because Abby's always my illustration. Anybody else with little bitty hands? <laughs> I was like, that, I was not expecting that, Mr. English. Okay, that's cool. Somebody with little bitty hands? Anybody? <clears throat> Katie, you want to come up and help us out? Okay, awesome. All right, so, so Katie is going to be, um, let's do something 
make it a little more significant here. Um, I pulled out a shiny new penny. You didn't see that coming, did you? All right. So this is us, all right? This is me and you, okay? Katie's going to be Jesus, all right? Okay. So Jesus has got us covered, right? Right. Okay, so come over here. This is the way this works. So I'm going to be the father, okay? Guess what part you are? All right, so the Father has got us in his hands, right? And what's Dave? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right. So wrap it up. Less now. If you wanted to, Katie, could you let go of that penny? Let go of that penny. Do you hear the penny dropping? Do you hear the penny hitting the floor? No. Even if Jesus wanted to, the Father and the Holy Spirit have got this thing covered. Okay. We're not going anywhere, I promise you. We are, we are exceedingly safe in this relationship. And this is a beautiful thing, right? So let's slide, slide over here. What does the text say? <laughs> Verse 10 says, I have confidence in you in the Lord, right? Inside this relationship, I have confidence in you. Now, the Old Testament, Psalm 20, verse 7, says some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And many people today trust and put their hope and their faith in the military or in, this is going to be a joke, the government, um, or in politics or in their money or in their jobs or in whatever. But the reality is this is the only safe relationship on the planet. Th- let me expand it even further. This is the only safe relationship in the universe. Okay? Now, Paul has confidence in them in this relationship, not outside this relationship. So, so I have confidence that if a need came up at my house, that when we are walking together with the Lord as we should, that the people in this room would rise up and help. I have confidence in that. But I don't have any confidence that if we decide that we do not want to enter into relationship with the Lord and that we sit over there. Oh, that's even better. It's just rolling around everywhere, isn't it? I couldn't have planned that any better, could I? That was awesome. So thank you very much, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Appreciate that. Um, so there's some confidence inside that relationship, and I want to kind of exaggerate that just a bit to make sure we understand in that relationship. Um, so I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind or you won't believe these other teachings. But he who troubles or agitates you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And and there's several commentators here that believe that that Paul didn't actually know who the person was that was the root of all of these issues. Because Paul had a tendency, if he knew your name, he's going to call your butt out. (laughs) I mean, he was not shy on saying, you are the man. I mean, this is, he was not shy about this. So whoever it is that's stirring up, you see the the cooking metaphor again? The stirring up, the agitating, shall carry his judgment, whoever he is. Verse 11, and I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision. What? What do you mean if I still preach circumcision? Was there a point in Paul's life where he preached circumcision? Yeah. (laughs) Loud and proud, (laughs) right? I mean, exceedingly passionate for uh, Judaism. And this is the thing that Paul is writing this letter to the Galatians about, warning them about this doctrine. He said, why do I still 
suffer persecution, then the offense or the stumbling block. I heard a, uh, read a really good definition of this word this week. How many of you were kids? And you saw an animal running around on your property. You were kids, yes. You were all kids. <laughs> Pause at the wrong moment, right? There you go. Uh, when you were a child, you saw an animal running around somewhere on the property that you or your parents or your grandparents or maybe an aunt or uncle owned, and you said, I'm going to catch that animal, right? And you found a box and a stick, and you propped the box up with a stick, and you put some food that that animal would like underneath that box, right? You, anybody ever did this? Yes? And maybe you had like a string attached to that, that stick that was holding it up, and you pull it out, and you're going to catch this animal. Did anybody ever have any success with this? You did. That's awesome. <laughs> Said the man who could probably survive on a desert island with what's in his pockets right now, right? I mean, that's, I have no doubt about that. Yep, he's <laughs> guaranteeing light a fire with what's in his pocket. No, there we go. Um, this, the trap stick is the word for offense here. It's another way to translate it. It's the thing that will cause the whole, uh, the whole thing to come crashing down on someone. The offense, the offense of the cross. Then the offense of the cross has ceased. So if, if he's still, if he's preaching this circumcision, then the offense of the cross has ceased. We make the cross of no effect when we say, I want to go with the law. Does this make sense? And, and, and this is a really... This is a real big problem because then what I am saying, if I say that my salvation is based on my keeping of the law, then I'm saying, Jesus, what you did on the cross does not matter. So it's not just bad theology. It's exceedingly insulting to God. And this is part of the problem is that we are we're spitting in God's face saying, I got this. I don't need your help. Of course you need our help. We need his help. Absolutely. We have to have his help. There's no other way in which this works without his help. Um, Stott has a great quote on this. He says, Circumcision stands for a religion of human achievement, of what man can do by his own good works. Christ stands for a religion of divine achievement, of what God has done through the finished work of Christ. Circumcision means law and works and bondage. Christ means grace and faith and freedom. Every man must choose, and behind our choice lurks our motive. It is when we are bent on flattering ourselves and others that we choose circumcision. Before the cross, we have to humble ourselves. And the reality is, I'm either low before Christ, or I stand puffed up on my own. And I guarantee you, puffed up on my own is not going to make it work. It will not check the box of salvation. So verse 12, I could, and let me make sure we're good here. Um, I could wish that those who trouble, uh, this word has a whole lot of meanings, and read them all. Disturb, make an uproar, to stir up, to excite, unsettle, in the sense of a commotion, here's, the, here's your blank, that would drive you from your home. Okay? So, Amy Velosen, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. What, I, I bet you could probably list on one hand the number of things that would drive you from your home at 2 o'clock in the morning. What would one of those things be? A fire. So you hear that fire alarm go off? What's the first two things you're thinking about? G and J. G and J, right? Matt can fend for himself. He's a big boy. He'll be all right, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I kind of set you up there with the two, but, you know, okay, I, I get that. Um, so a fire would do it. What else would do it in the middle of the night? The, like the carbon monoxide alert, right? The structure of your home, right? Something, basically, something has to happen... To the, I love the way you said that, to the structure of the home. 
And what's he talking about here? He's talking about our salvation theology, the structure around which all of our faith is built. Thank you. So that helped me understand it a lot better. I appreciate that. Um, there's a wisdom in us, guys, I promise you. Uh, so something that would drive you from your home. So verse 12, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Now, I don't want to get overly graphic here, um, but in the context of circumcision, this word does not mean to circumcise. This word means to amputate. At this point in history, there were religious cults that worshipped through a wide, let me make it very careful here, a widely obnoxious uh, and deeply troubling forms of quote-unquote worship, uh, some of which involved ritualistic amputation. Okay? I kid you not. The Galatians would have read this and would have immediately thought of the worship of Sybil because this was how you worship. The priests worshiped this way at times. Okay? So here's what Paul is saying. Let me put it in, in modern English, uh, the New Living Translation maybe. Um, if you're going to do this, go all the way with it and just be a pagan. That's what he's saying. Okay? So a little leaven, a little bit of law in salvation is the same thing as holy trying to keep all 613. You're, you're in for a penny, in for a pound. So verse 13. For you, brethren, again... So he's calling them brethren, right? This is positive. You know, this is encouraging. Have been called to liberty. Now, I'm going to let you fill in the blank this next one. What did we learn about last week? Christian liberty is about freedom. What's the word? From the law. Absolutely. Freedom from the law. Not freedom to do whatever we want. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity. Another military word here. Um, <clears throat> how many of you have ever seen the movie... Uh, I'm trying to read my Facebook post that Daniel just put, but I, I couldn't. I wasn't smooth enough to read it while I'm up here. Um, you guys wonder what I'm looking at all the time, right? It's, every once in a while, I'm checking Facebook. Not, not really. No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, how many of you ever seen the movie Shooter? That was a squirrel moment if there ever was one, right? Uh, like, it's a great movie, isn't it? It's just, it's a fantastic movie. It was on last night. I was finishing up the Sunday school lesson. And I was like, oh, a shooter analogy. This is great. So somebody tell me the story of the movie Shooter. Basic premise. Okay, so that's not a that's not a story, right? That's three words. Of who? It, it's yeah, some some guy, right? And what what's his expertise? What's I'm still talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> Stay with me, Justin. It's okay. I know very very little sleep at your house. Owen's beautiful. We get it. Yes. Okay. Um, he's a yeah. He's trying to read. <laughs> See what you started here? That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so Mark Wahlberg's character is a sniper. Is he a good sniper? Yeah, he's, he's ridiculous. He's talking about taking shots from a mile away. He said the Coriolis effect had, comes into play, and I'm like, I don't even remember what that is, but it's got to be important, right? It's got to be really special. Um, so what was Mark Wahlberg's character hired to do by the government? to pre prevent the assassination. And using his eyes, he was supposed to go to several different cities and try to figure out if someone was going to take the president out from a mile away, where would he do it from? 
Where's the best opportunity? What would his, here's your blank, base of operations be? Right? Because when you're going into battle, you have to consider where your base of operations is. If you don't, you can land up in a lot of bad places. So, for you, brethren, you have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as your base of operations. That is not your starting point. Liberty from the law is not your starting point. Okay? Don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love. This is agape. Um, How many of your translations say, but through love? Does anybody say, but through the love? Does anybody put the article in there? Anybody? Now, there's actually, in, in the Greek, there's actually an article right before love, and it should be the love. It's a very specific, very specific. Um, it should be the love. But through love, serve one another mutually. For all the law is, what's the word? Fulfilled. I love this word. It's a good word. Filled up to the brim, completed, perfected, realized, crammed, leveled up, leveled up. Um, how many of you are uh, do baking? Anybody do baking, cooking at all in here? Um, how many of you are measurers? Like you get the measuring? Yeah, I, I knew that was coming. I, there was no doubt there whatsoever. Thank you. Uh, do, do you get like that, you get a cup of something and then take something and level it off? How many of you do this? Yes? Okay. Yes, I saw that too. That was, I see that hand, right? Um, level it off. It is, it is completely and totally filled to the exact amount. All right? Let's keep going with this definition. It is satisfied. It is furnished. Um, when you, the, the day you move into a new place, does it feel like home? No, because it's not furnished. You don't have pictures on the wall. You don't have your furniture out. You don't have the sheets on the bed. You don't have the bed up. The bed's in the box, right? It's just, it's got to be furnished before it feels like home, before it's done, before it's executed, before it's verified, before it's accomplished, before it's finished. There's your blank. Before it's finished. For, for the law is finished in one word, even in this, you shall love. Now, this love is special. This love is the the word agape, and this is the verb. The verb. So if love is a verb, what does that mean? It's action. You can see it, right? There's some activity associated with it. When love is a verb, I'll tell you what love doesn't look like. Love doesn't look like um, when you go to takethemameal.com and look at the meal list for the Ericsons and for the harnesses, and it's virtually blank. That's not what love looks like. Okay? So we've got to do better here. People come to our class for a reason. Right? There's something, and it's not me, I promise you it's not me. It's you guys is what it is. Um, who wants to come sit at a table by themselves and nobody ever talks to them? I'm out. You know, that's going to get old real quick, Right? We engage. Love is a verb. Love is active. Love is working. Okay? If it sounds like I'm lecturing, yes, this is the lecture part of today's lesson. Okay? Um, So love is the verb. You shall love your neighbor. Now, I did something here in my notes that I very rarely do. I almost always, when I look up the definition of a word, look it up in the original language because that's what it was written in. That's what makes sense. I wanted to know what the the English word neighbor came from. Obviously, it's a compound word, nigh and bore, 
but I didn't know what those meant, you know, seven, eight hundred years ago. So I went to Merriam-Webster and looked them up. So nigh just means near. Uh, Boar, B-O-O-R, it's an old word. It means a rude and or an insensitive person, especially a peasant. (laughs) I guess apparently everybody that you lived next to 800 years ago was really poor, right? And so they were peasants. And love the rude and or insensitive poor person next to you. Well, that changes the meaning of the verse, doesn't it? (laughs) Pretty substantially, you know. In Christ's economy, everybody has value. Um, I, I, that's my business speak, if I put my business brain on. Everybody has value. So you shall love your neighbor, and then those two little words, as yourself, said through gritted teeth, right? Um, I love this quote from Luther. I found one. Don't worry, Sean. Um, if you want to, Sean has been, I'm going to call these guys out real quick. So Darla and Amy and Sean have been exceedingly faithful. You guys remember the first week uh, of this series where I handed out all the books and said, you get a book if you email me every week and everything's good, and had people just running up to get books. Well, Darla and Sean and and Amy, every single week, fill my inbox with just, oh my goodness, this is wonderful. This is so helpful. So I haven't had to read 15 books. I can read one (laughs) and get the benefit from this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and this was the first week Sean hadn't sent me anything, and he apologized for it, but I found a good Luther quote anyway. So, uh, if you want to know how you ought to love your neighbor, ask yourself how much you love yourself. Well, dang it. That's kind of tough, isn't it? That's a rather high bar. Um, it, he, he goes on here. He says, if you want to get into trouble or danger, or if you were to get into trouble or danger, you would be glad to have the love and help of all men You do not need any book of instructions to teach you how to love your neighbor. All you have to do is look into your own heart, and it will tell you how you ought to love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. That's pretty straightforward. Okay, we'll get off that. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another... Well, that sounds like church. No. Um, If you bite and devour one another, beware. This is an imperative. It means look out. Lest you be consumed lest you be consumed by one another. Uh, In Robertson's New Testament Word Pictures, he tells a story about two snakes that simultaneously decide to eat each other's tails. Think about that. They both have a problem, a serious problem. And this is what infighting looks like. Darla sent me a great quote from Wearsby. He said, Christian liberty is not a license to sin, but an opportunity to serve. The formula looks something like this. Liberty plus love equals service to others. Liberty minus love is a license or slavery to sin because there's never enough. There's never enough. So you say, Jim, what's the point? Well, a couple things. Number one, the truth is the focus. I think this has been a theme throughout Galatians that the gospel, getting it right and keeping it right, is relatively important. Has anybody picked up on this through the last 15 weeks? I hope so. Um, So what do I do with that? Well, keep my eyes on the truth. Number two, liberty is an opportunity to love and serve. So what do I do with that? Uh, Go to takethemameal.com and sign up. Uh, And then what's the point? Number three, in case you're wondering how to spell soteriology, a little error in soteriology is a big error. This is a problem. We do not get the opportunity to mess this up. This has to be right. Uh, 
the most difficult Sunday school lessons for me to teach are the ones where salvation is presented very crisply and cleanly because I got to get that right. If I mess up on the day or the, the framework on when Jesus is going to come back, okay, all right, that's, that's absolutely important. Don't, don't get me wrong, that's important. But I don't get to botch salvation up. It's got to be right. It's got to be right every single time. So what do I do with that? Well, get it right and constantly go back to the gospel. Constantly be reviewing this is what we believe and why we believe it. This is the truth, and I, it, it is for today. You know, the gospel was not just for that one day where you asked Jesus to come into your heart, right? The gospel is for today because it is saving me today, right now. As I teach this Sunday school lesson, the gospel is saving me. It is ongoing. It never stops, praise God, because it doesn't. That's what he does. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. So that's Galatians 5, uh, 7 through 15. We pick up in verse 16 and look at the fruits of the Spirit for the next two weeks. Uh, there's a lot going on there, so we're going to do two weeks in that text. And uh, thanks for coming today. I appreciate it. At your tables is the handout, so make sure you get your prayer requests down on those. Everybody's name that was at your table at some point today. Um, pray as a table and you are dismissed. Thank you.